welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. And I'm Maria. And here's our podcast. For the realistic SLP. Who is actively anti-racism. That is correct. So Deb, we are just sipping on some pomegranate juice with the seltzer, Mm -hmm. which I really like now. And uh, we're just abstaining from having some alcohol, which is cool. You know, not everything has to be geared around alcohol, especially on this Monday night. Right. And we're also getting those antioxidants still. Yes. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So I'm happy about that. So an actively anti-racism tip that I have for anyone listening is to check out the documentary on, I believe it's Netflix. It's called Storm Over Brooklyn. It's about Yusuf Hawkins. Uh, he was a young boy who was living in East New York, Brooklyn. He wanted to look at, um, no, I think his friend, his friend wanted to look at a car for sale in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, which is a predominantly Italian neighborhood. Um, so they took the subway there. They had never been there before. And they were attacked by a mob of um, white men. And Yusuf was actually shot and murdered. And this is, it takes place in the 80s. It is not that long ago. And you will be shocked and appalled by the behavior of the residents of Bensonhurst. So I think that it's important to see this, that... Um, anyone who is in denial of any sort of racism that's happening currently in society uh, should be exposed to this documentary. Thank you for sharing that. I like that. And also if you're, while you're on Netflix, we talked about this last episode where my aunt recommended Khalif, uh, another, I guess it's a series. Mm -hmm. I believe it's a series, something that I'm going to add to my list So I'm going to post my thoughts about the Netflix specials. So maybe you will as well. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so coming up, you have an interview, right? Yeah. So I talked with um, my friend Gabriel Mayers. Um, I made him be my friend after I was a super fan. Yes, Um, you did. Yes. Yes, you did. I heard him performing in the subway. Um, And he performed at our live show back in May. And are we, uh, you know, a couple of people have asked... Oh my gosh, two years ago, yeah. a year ago, we sell well, it wasn't last May. It was the May before that. Correct. Two thousand and nineteen. Yes. And um yeah, so I got to meet him as well. My brother actually I asked him, he gives me always his realistic opinion, which is good. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I was like, What'd you think of my show? And he was like, The Gabriel was the best. And I was like, Okay. That's he was yes, yes. Yeah, he, he is really so good. My brother liked him the best. (laughs) We talk all about busking, which is not a familiar word in the United States. Wasn't to me. Busking. B-U-S-K-I-N-G. Yeah. So in Europe, though, there are many street performers, and that's um, what busking is. You're a busker. And that's where that comes from. And so it's not just singing in the subway. But it's also like any sort of street. Like dancing, too, I'm sure. I, and my mind goes to dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, he talks about the rules of busking in New York City. Um, this is a bit of a strange episode, though, because have you been on the subways anytime at all? No, no. So <laughs> I have there not. There is no busking now in the subways because singing is like the number one way to transmit covid yes. because you're like projecting and mm-hmm. spitting and 
um, people might sing along and get close to each other. It's just because people are so um, entranced by the music. Yeah, so that's why it's like Footloose now. No one's allowed to, oh. to do that. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about how in speech therapy, so my job has completely changed. Mm-hmm. I've changed it almost well, drastically. Yes. Um, so, but I do have two kids who are, um, they have complex communication needs. Mm. And uh, I often use speech and language songs with them. Yes. Um, I, I was, that was my jam over the yeah. summer. I was like tagging him all over Instagram. Yeah. Yes. Speech and language songs. So I use like the hello song in the beginning of the session. I use the goodbye song at the end. And um, mm-hmm. one of my students, as soon as I start the session, he's 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 immediately like, um, my turn, my turn. Mm. He loves my turn from wow. the song. It's my turn. <laughs> it's my turn. And then he's like, it's my turn. <laughs> do, 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 do. It's like, we're jamming. Yeah, Mike was saying it was a good song, too. I'm like, Ooh. I know. And then the other one's like, help me eat, something like that. Yes. So, so it's like the same beat, too. Um, I do like it. And there's visuals that correspond mm-hmm. with, the, um, with Lyrics. what he's talking about. So um, I tend to do in the beginning, at the end, beginning, hello, at the end, goodbye. And in the middle... I'll do a core phrase like help me, tell me, or um, give me whatever one that I'm working on that week. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll just have the kid pick. It depends. Yeah. If I did, though, he would only pick my turn over and over again. So, Got it. Um, I still like that song. Mm-hmm. It's just like we have to do other things. We've definitely mastered my turn. Definitely. You know that one. Yeah. We can move on. Yeah. <laughs> I do want How about him- your turn? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do want him to say, help me. So Mm. that's why I'm working on that one now. How are you working on that via teletherapy? Well, first we're doing the song. Got it. And then um, I'm going to use boom card. Mm. And then I'm going to put an object high up. Mm. And then I'm going to have a child that I drew point to it. Mm. And then say, help me. Help me get the ice cream. Help me get the pizza. So you're modeling it on the boom cards. Yeah, and then they say, yeah, I'll have the, I'll draw also the core symbols. Yes. Help me, and then help me get, and then I'll put just pizza. I just leave the object. And then so the target will be help me get pizza. Help Mm -hmm. me get milk. And then you bring it down to the child. After they say it. After they say it. Cool. Yeah, that's what I'm going to make. I like Stay that. Stay tuned for you, my drawings that I haven't been doing. You will get to them, Deb. Yeah. We know that you will draw because you like to draw and you're intrinsically motivated to draw. Yes. So another thing, is this child, how old is it, are they? I'm just curious because um, I'm always working on like these core words. So I'm like, oh, what are you doing for well, this? So, Cause so um, I have two that have complex communication needs. One is in fourth grade, who okay. I met last year. Mm-hmm. And last year, this individual was not speaking. Yes. Like, I guess he was making sounds and such, but he nothing that was meaningful. Now he he does four words. He says a lot. Um, so cheers to that. Cheers. Let's. I mean, this is. I mean, this is the sweet stuff, you, you know, of the it. job. <laughs> Um, I do owe a lot of it just to using my coloring books and using the Kaufman speech cards. Yeah. Because 
I think so many people were like, he has a device. He needs to use the device. Mm. And then I was like, well, but this kid can repeat. And he's like trying to talk. Mm. So let me just try to make him say stuff. And then he just started saying stuff. And then I went to core phrases. And I would have him do it on the device and say it verbally shorter. And now, and that really, really works. So I do love the devices and I do love core phrases. But sometimes just drilling, getting kids talking so that they can like, understand their system have the motoric practice to the actual physical work they need to from like a physical standpoint yeah absolutely so definitely he's made a significant progress and now i have a new friend who i just met this year um who's in second grade who has complex communication needs he does not currently have a device i have no idea how soon he'll get one now like so ways i've worked on help me is i've given them the ipad and i've password protected it and they cannot unlock the ipad without that help me and i hold up the visual and i'm already anticipating them to say help me so i'm just holding up help me and then they say and i unlock it and they get to play and then we're good and then i have a timer five minutes my turn and then you can work on wait time i don't know how many seconds or minutes you want to work on wait time that depends on the kid Mm. and then you can be like guess what it's you are in 10 stars or you got five checks or you did five speech sound cues Will your your turn for iPad and then give it to them still locked. Nice, that's great. And then there we go. Say help me again. Yes, that's good. Thank you. Or you put stuff in a. Yes, I know. Yeah. You need the yeah. parent. The um, parents and this gotta. Child doesn't yeah. have a device yet. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna order the evaluation for a device. But I mean, is someone gonna go to his house in COVID? I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know, but there's a lot of free apps. I've I've told parents some free apps like yeah. um. Which is my favorite? Which is my favorite? I'm blanking. I like Verbal Me. It's free. I know that one as well, but there's another one. Oh, uh, Sounding Board. Sounding B R D. One word. Oh, okay. Yes. I will check it out. Check that they out. Also, this child also does not have an iPad. Okay. Um, okay. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get him evaluated for a device anyway. Though. You could always uh, print out a board for them. At least you yeah. c- he could have a board, and that way the symbols once they're on the screen are not like what are these things? Like right. oh yeah, this is go. Because once you know like the symbol for go and yes and, and no, I use all those done. All in the boom cards. I there draw you them go. Myself and they're mm-hmm. on there. Um, you just all the yeah. things you drew. You could make them on a board I'm, too. Yeah, I just gotta keep going so I get. But I will. I'm planning on making a board. Uh, but he does repeat, so we are working on the um, sound cards. They're mostly, he's really best with the CV words. We're not nice. using anything. So we're going to work on improving speech sound production, core words, and also trying to get this child a device. That, that's, I mean, that is a lot to work on, but I know you can do it. Yeah, well, he's got yeah. speech three times a week. We yeah. We've got time. You got it. Yeah. So I um, also love speech and language songs mm-hmm. and um, something I can't remember if I talked about this. Maybe we talked about it on the live show. I don't even remember if I've said said this, but um, for teletherapy for me, I used a guitar. I don't know how to play the guitar, but I have a guitar in the apartment because it's uh-huh. Sal's guitar. Mm-hmm. And I just like sing along with the speech and language songs, like just holding the guitar, doing my teletherapy. Right. Like it's like a little extra prop. And it's great. And then I was, it just came to me when I was doing the teletherapy session over the summer and I saw the guitar. It was like right in front of me. And I was like, why don't I just grab this and like 
sing along to this song. And I did, and I, I almost did it. I hesitated, but I did think about the anxiety coach we had on the show, Angela Onstead, and her quote, which was like, it's not your darkness that you fear the most it's your lightness of how great you can be so I was like holding back like oh I'm embarrassed to like grab a guitar the like Paris in the session too and it's like another person is there I have I had over the summer student clinician too so there's like two adults in there that you know I was embarrassed a little bit but I like thought about her quote and I was like no just grab the guitar it's gonna be great and it was awesome because my student like loved it and at the end of the summer he was the one who made the comment like that's cool you know like I don't know I just felt like it was a great little element to add for uh, even just the social aspect like I'm jamming too you know we're all listening to this song I'm into this (laughs) open close you know like uh, I'm into this song too so I don't know just a little recommendation that quote uh, is from Marianne Williamson yes our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure I think that's it is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. There it is. I know the whole thing. We ask ourselves, who am I to be? Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, you can keep going. This no, is this you is... can watch Coach Carter. The kids do it at the end, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you could just tell the people right now, but never mind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be beautiful, gorgeous, and talented? Something... Um, who am I to be? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. You are, I don't remember. Powerful. And Wait, no. we'll Google the rest or we're testing our memory. Wait, who am I to be? Beautiful, gorgeous, powerful. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Something, something. I don't remember. Okay. Um, I used to know the whole thing. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I thought that was excellent. And that is just... You know, I don't have all of that memorized, but I had just that lightness, not your darkness. It used to be my poem of the month for the high school students. There we go. Yeah. That's um, great. But it's good. Yeah, I like it. It's very good, and it's a good mindset to have, especially mm-hmm. when you are working with your clients and, like, you have to just kind of, like, you know, be the best you can for them. And, that, and it does make a difference. It really does. So, you know, I'm just trying to preach what I, I say I'm doing, you know. in the middle. But my favorite part <laughs> okay. is... There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. I like that one. You were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within you. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. Wow. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And on that note, we're going to pause now for a brief commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Smart Charts. Smart Charts is a web-based program for SLPs. Smart Charts uses a secure, privacy-compliant, and customizable solution to goal writing, data tracking, and note-taking in educational and medical settings. Smart Charts allows clients to actually see their progress on a graph in real time during in-person and teletherapy sessions. Go to www.mysmartcharts.com and use promo code WINECHEESE, all one word, for 50% off for new subscriptions forever. Check out the show notes for more information. This episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese is brought to you by Bjorn Speech Publications. Bjorn Speech Publications is founded by Jenny Bjorn SLP. It's a great resource for parents, therapists, and those studying to enter the field of speech pathology. 
Jenny Bjorn is an expert in the field specializing in childhood apraxia speech. Bjorn's speech sound cues use fresh, diverse illustrations that speak to children. For more up-to-date, child-inspired speech and language products created for therapists by therapists, head over to bjornspeech.com. And now, back to the show. So up next, I chat with Gabriel Mayers. He is a local musician in New York City. I first saw him playing on the subway at 14th Street. You can find him on Instagram at Gabriel Mayers NYC, on Patreon, patreon.com slash Gabriel Mayers, or you can hear his music at gabrielmayers.com.bandcamp.com. Also, he's got some songs on iTunes. Like I mentioned, the first time I ran into him was at the subway stop on 14th Street, and he was playing a song by The Strokes that I liked um, some years back, and I took a video, so I'm going to play the audio from that video, and then we'll get right into the interview. Enjoy. That guy, he, he interviews musicians and he's interviewed like everyone famous. And his big huh. thing is doing like intense research, like finding out like super important things, like people's favorite albums and having that for them as a gift. And like, oh. you know, finding out about their first projects that no one knows about and, and just having all this information. And so I, I, I don't know why I like this, but I like to watch a lot of, um, you know, like couch interviews, like, you know, late night interviews and, and different sorts of interviews. And he, hands down he's like the the example of how to do a good interview because the research just kind of throws the person he's interviewing off guard and like they become his best friend even though he's weird and he smells apparently because <laughs> people always talk about how he smells he's interviewed like everybody you could be a lot of things but smelly is one that's hard to come back from that's hard yeah <laughs> and really... he's weird looking <laughs> <laughs> he's weird looking too yeah oh man well i guess maybe that's why he's so thorough yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the surface level that's not really like doing much yeah it's probably what he enjoys he's probably he seems like a researcher kind of person yeah yeah that's funny i'm gonna look into that guy we should probably introduce you, Gabriel. So today I'm speaking with Gabriel Mayers. And um, so I believe that I first reached out to you maybe like two years ago. It's a long time. It was like two years or three years, two, two, two years ago. It's been a bit. Um, so I um, was working. I had a kid to see on 14th Street. Yeah, so the train just paused at Union Square, and I needed to go one more stop. And um, it, I was at first frustrated because I was late, as usual. 
but then I heard you singing and uh, you were singing The Strokes. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Reptilia, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yes, that was it. That's such a great song to begin with. And then you just revamped it completely. Yeah, that's one of like the classics, kind mm-hmm. of. <laughs> it's a yeah. classic at this point. It's early 2000s. That's like, I don't know. <laughs> Special time, young adulthood. That's for real young adulthood. Yeah. For for me, at least, I mean, so I felt like uh, it was, it's extra when it's something that like hits you at a teenage bone in you. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, the train stopped and then I, I heard you and I, I had to like, I walked around, I was looking for you. So my video that I took, I took, started taking a video and it's just me like kind of trying to find where you are. And then I saw that I went up the car and saw you were like under the stairs. And I was so glad that you had like all this identifying information yeah. in your setup. Marketing. <laughs> nice. Well done. So, uh, Gabriel is, so you're a musician and busking, yep. is that a verb? What it's so, are, is it a noun at all? Like, are you a busker? Yeah, um, I'm a busker and I do busking. <laughs> busking is a, is an English term. I don't know how old it is, but it just basically means street performance, but I specifically do subway performance. Oh, okay. So yeah. it could be just, just anybody who's yeah, performing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not um, defined to a genre or anything. It's it's just street performance. Just cool. English slang for street performance. I'm a busca. <laughs> so, like, t- typically Americans uh, don't know that, and English people go, oh, you're a busca. Or, you know, if you're from the UK or whatever. Uh huh. So, it's just more commonly. Else, yeah, yeah, it's more commonly. If you own a bidet, you know about busking, basically. Pretty much. Nice. Okay, makes sense. The days and busking go together. Could you make an analogy out of that? Like, bidets is too busking. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it might have something to do with the uh, culture progressing. Uh, maybe from maybe maybe from the from the east towards here. I don't know if they have uh, bidets in Europe. But I was just thinking about today how Europeans have bidets all over, and we're just getting them. Like, they yeah. they have it's fishy, and so people are going to start to. Well, maybe they'll start to do bidets or whatever. But I'm like, you know what? This is this has been a long time coming. I'm sure Europeans probably look at us like we have really dirty butts. Yeah. And so wasteful. So wasteful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasting all that butt. <laughs> <laughs> but, all that yeah. butt paper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you attribute the increase of bidets in American society to? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, a lot think- of podcasts advertise. Yeah, but like why, it must mean that people are culturally open to it because I think the idea of a bidet was definitely a a comedy bit at least up until the late 90s. You know, it's like a Dumb and Dumber. Definitely it's in Dumb and Dumber somewhere. Yeah, he's drinking out of the bidet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's like, oh, you squirt water up your ass and now it's like, yeah, you you know. (laughs) It's actually a good idea. Maybe it's booty, maybe it's Kim Kardashian. Maybe it's the attention culturally has been turned towards the butt and we're like oh my god (laughs) it needs more accessories now yeah there are more accessories i think (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think it's been a comedy bit for a while, like somebody like going into a bathroom and then panning to all the different options and not knowing what to do. Right. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, we're searching for toilet paper. I feel like that's just like a skit. That's yeah. common. Interesting. America's like a more straightforward country. We don't want we don't want a lot of fancy stuff. You know, we want a barbecue and then we want to go wipe it down with one ply. We don't want any. No, <laughs> any no. rest. And that's why and that's why Americans don't know about busking to just okay. <laughs> bring it full circle. For us <laughs> so Wait, so why was it again? Uh, it's a it's a culture thing. Right. It's a culture thing. Um, just to just to make it as we'll ground the point a little bit more in not pooping. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing is, I, I think just in in states, I haven't been all over. I haven't been, I haven't left America since I was like three. Um, mm-hmm. But what I know of the world through the internet and television is that uh, overseas, like busking, is really common. Like everybody's busking. Like if you're a musician and you're not busking, it's well, no, 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 not not that it, you, people, everyone's busking, but it's more yeah. common. And it's there's a word for it, and so there's more of a culture of it. And here it's more like, oh, poor poor thing, like you're mm-hmm. you're out on the street begging. Um, right. So, I, but you know, I I think um, American culture is less inclined towards art in general. So, like the idea of someone just singing in the street isn't necessarily immediately beautiful because of uh, I don't know uh, our economy. I guess maybe <laughs> I'm right. not sure what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I've I think I've heard before that in Russian there's many color there's many names for the color blue and because they've labeled more they have more names for blue that they see more blue because they talk about it. Mm. So right. so maybe that's like similar like because it's not really spoken about or discussed it's not seen as an art form or it's not really even seen. Right. I mean, I'm certainly guilty of ignoring um, some subway or street performers. Never Showtime. Showtime is always ignorable. Then you ignore them. Right. That's true. Maybe if like that. That's my. But I've been doing it like so. I mean, it's been a decade since I first started, and um, I don't like through the moments of like toughing it out to get good. I had to acknowledge that like no one owes you any attention, and that's how you get good right um, yeah that's the whole thing so so people people say that to me kind of often like oh you know I, i'm guilty of like passing by i pass them by all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i i give people money um when i notice them and when i like as like a good luck thing if like we're ch- exchanging spots like mm-hmm. maybe they're coming in i'm leaving a place or something like that or if i can see that that it's going to contribute something to them but i don't you know, it's like anything else. There's good people and there's bad people at it. It's not beautiful just because someone's right. in this. It's like comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot like comedy, which is why I like it. It's just real yeah. dirty. Yeah. And you're you're face to face with your fans, which is I think super important. Yeah. It's only microphone and the mm-hmm. speaker. And there's right. not there's like you have some music. I mean comedy has music too, but like yeah, it's just it's yeah. very vulnerable. Right, yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I love comedy. I remember when I first, no, I had, I had seen like one of Louis C.K.'s specials like a long while ago. And mm-hmm. she showed me like some of his newer stuff. This was obviously before all this stuff. And yeah. I, was, I was just like 
so horrifying. I have I had never heard such horrible things like that. I know, yeah. Children, and all that, and it just like kind of opened my, my mm-hmm. eyes to a whole world of just like people saying horrible things, horrible. making me feel really, really good. Yeah, like better. Yeah, Louis C.K. used to have this. Well, he has this joke. It's not like they die. Um, a joke about how <laughs> he he um would he, like his kids would die if they knew how much ice cream is hidden in the freezer that he just blatantly lies about every single night and when they're sleeping at night he just out of spite takes the canister and just eats it over their sleeping heads like something yeah he's just going through that and it i would always i mean i would hear him because i worked in a club that he came to a lot i would hear his shows um two to three times a night for five days and would look forward to every joke it was never Uh like oh i've already heard this yeah like a song yeah (laughs) yeah isn't that great i i mean i love that too yeah and i guess bringing it back to the busking thing um it's it's just vulnerable it's it's real i think like like at one point busking was a necessity um just to you know make a living and then at another point just the raw expression of it and kind of the ability to like fuck up made it feel like more real as a musical expression to me to where i just don't like like with uh, now I'm, I'm not busking now because of everything that's going on but with busking in play it's like i don't really have to think about other aspects of the music industry or my music career because right. it's just like direct to the audience. And before busking, I felt like I was trying to be such a perfectionist. And that's what I see other musicians have. It's like they're trying to, they have like an image in their head and they're trying to like craft it in reality in terms of their stage perf- uh, presence and performance. And I'm just kind of like throwing, I'm like Jackson Pollocking, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just like throwing paints throwing at the canvas paint. like three hours a day with busking. And so, you know, but by the time you see me and I've been doing that like just a month straight, I'm just like a monster in terms of the skill. And it reminds me of like how you do comedy, you know, you hit it right. night after night and you keep going until you build up the momentum versus like musicians. They're just like, they're really just in super insecure people like any performer is. And they're yeah. just sitting at home, like trying to create an idea that you can't, it's like you can't manifest it without performing. And I think a lot of people do it on tour but if you don't have the money or the means, you you can't get that. And so busking is just like so perfect for like getting super Beyonce good without having to go around the world or having money. What you're doing, what it sounds like is that instead of like having an image of who you'd like to be, you're just working at it every day and becoming who you are. And like, that's <laughs> just like growing and like, instead of like living up to some sort of image you're just like perfecting who you can be or who you are already yeah yeah basically um there's like the there's the music industry there's record labels and i think that's like the first step right i'm gonna impress somebody and then get a contract and then from a contract you become justin bieber hopefully from there and that's just not in the cards for most people and it's just 90 percent of those deals that do go through aren't very good. They're, they're in the company's favor. Um, so having something like busking where you can just directly engage with people and like, as you are and develop yourself and be supported directly by the fans. It's just, uh, it's just like an insane resource. And 
um, I'm glad I fell into it. I, I think it's I think it's just part of like how I like um, the bohemian art folk scene of the 60s and mm-hmm. they were all about about like street performance and, and shit like that and moving away from any type of corporate entity. You're forced to like what a record label decided you should like and that's what will be played on the radio. But now people yeah. can have Patreons. You, you're busking and, and you have thousands of people seeing you like in any given moment. We're listening to you and it's just like it's nice that it's we are in this like entrepreneurial day and age where everyone is able to find their own audience instead of relying on yeah. like the one hollywood pedophile avenue <laughs> to get <there>. yeah <laughs> i mean to be fair though there's not just one hollywood pedophile avenue right. that's uh, that's why it's such a great and popular avenue well i meant the avenue yeah <laughs> the <laughs> avenue <laughs> yeah it's a it's really great. tough street <laughs> oh man so um i wanted to ask you i'm gonna ask you three questions at once how long have you been doing music um where are you from and how did you learn your instrument um, your voice okay yeah uh, i'm from brooklyn i've been doing i'm 34 now i've been doing music since i was 17 and uh how did i learn my voice <laughs> like so well between yeah so you play guitar and you also i mean yeah. yes so as, as a speech pathologist your voice is an instrument too. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah. So, did you ever have any? Um, are you self-taught, or did you have any training? I had one day of training, but mostly self-taught. And I definitely picked up advice from people who were trained, and and that helped a lot. Because um, I remember for a long time I had a lot of trouble with like high parts, and and I was trying to. I think Kirk, Kirk Cobain was my first idol, so I was really trying to like <laughs> be able to like scream like him and and just have the kind of range that he had and like the power and stuff like that and I just did not have it and so I did play around with my voice in a lot of ways like screaming into pillows and stuff like that and trying different things and it was really when I discovered like how to use like a head voice and just like that well that right. your voice has different modes I didn't even understand that I thought there was just like singing good and singing bad right, I didn't understand yeah. that there was like that like uh all when different residents. Resonance, yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, you do like a like a cowboy voice or something like like every voice you do is like your head does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's like a big instrument. Is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so once I discovered that, it made uh singing a lot easier. But that wasn't really that long ago. I think before before I just discovered that it was just all screaming and hoarse voices and stuff. And so do you think the difference is like now there's like a, a visual component to your singing where like, do you try to visualize internally what you're yeah. using? Yeah, usually. Um, yeah, a lot of it's unconscious though. But if, if something fe- like if I'm, um, if I'm not grounded in what I'm doing, like if, you know, if I'm nervous or something like that, there's like definitely I'll visualize this to make sure I'm, singing well and singing properly and, and not running out of air or anything like that. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I want to know a bunch of things about busking. So you cool. said you've been doing it for 10 years. Um, yes. Are there any rules about busking? Like laws? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like government written. laws. Yeah. 
that um, kind first. And then, yeah, and then I want the unofficial laws. Like, is there turf? Is there a committee? Or is, is there a Facebook group? Like, do you compete for spots? <laughs> like, sure, I can let you know about all that stuff. Well, um, as for rules, uh, in, in New York City, pretty much amplification, pretty much nowhere, except for the mezzanine area of the subway. So that's not on the platform past the turnstile that's your mezzanine area and it has to not it has to be within it has to be away from the ticket booth where they're okay. doing operations and that's pretty much the amplified rule and beyond that for acoustic stuff you can do that pretty much anywhere that isn't private property okay. that's that's legal um what was the other question but uh, are there unofficial turf? yeah like unofficial rules is there a, is there a fight club is there like a busk Club. There's so many crusty old buskers. It's uh, definitely, you know, there's no, there's so many crusty old buskers that are, you know, they they guard their spots with their yeah. lives. So, just just I just you know just be easy is my attitude. This is your spot, fine. You know, it's I don't care. There's right, a million yeah. spots in New York, and none of them are special. None of them right. make you more money than any other ones. I mean, there are some that are really bad, but those are obvious. No one's there and everyone's poor around there or something like that. It's not going to be a great spot to go in. But the, right. beyond that, there's plenty of spots, uh, let's say, in upper Manhattan that you could play in at any point in time. And, you know, there's celebrities walking through there constantly. So mm -hmm. just, just be all over New York. Right. Yeah. So it does make sense that you'd want to be in all different places instead of just one consistent one because i you'd want to yeah everyone else stays in one place pretty much <laughs> they do i mean i do too i stay like if i find a place that's nice and i like the people there i'm gonna keep coming back so i uh -huh. can see them again and stuff but i i mean there's always like a limit to that that makes me go to another area and meet new people and you know that's pretty much it there was a guy like a who tour. played uh a, yeah a tour of new york city he yeah. he, he would always play um in front of the Dwayne Reed across the street from Caroline's and he still is there sometimes and he knows only a couple songs but mm. one of them is a small portion of black or white by Michael Jackson oh boy and it would be like the ice cream truck just the, <laughs> that one like bum banana down <laughs> like that <laughs> I liked him you know sometimes you need something like reliable right yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> whatever floats your boat <laughs> but yeah it was just so funny how for it for years just and then i was like does he try to learn anything else it doesn't even seem like he's getting better at this one mm. yeah, it's <laughs> just... interesting um some people have like you know little skill and a lot of confidence i think most mm. people have that so yeah i was wondering you said that you like changing spots but in terms of like subway acoustics is there a best spot that you've just liked yeah what is that court street <laughs> uh, wait which one court street on the r train in brooklyn oh so that's um what's that prospect heights no that's brooklyn court, heights that would be like cobble hill or or uh yeah. carol gardens Court. Brooklyn it's Bridge by the park. By the <laughs> movie by theater. Which park? I know that. Yeah. So then, yeah. yeah. Kind of. Yes. It's sort of by all those things. Yeah, it's basically yeah. Basically, in the area, downtown Brooklyn area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So, um, so that station, that's actually one of the deepest stations in New York. I learned that because I'm boring. And, and <laughs> that's a very in. fun fact. So I disagree. Yeah, I, sh- I, I, was, I was thinking that I should learn things about trains to go along. <laughs> it would be so cool if I could busk and then like conduct a train like immediately after. And then just yeah. you make everything seamless and mm-hmm. sync it up. There you uh, go. But yeah, uh, so Court Street is is like uh, I actually recorded an album there, and um, oh really? The first videos that yeah, that's is live cool. album. Um, and the first videos that ever got recorded of me were at Court Street, and that was uh in 2012, and it's just real quiet down there. You can hear a pin drop, you can play acoustic, and actually uh, bringing the amp down there is like a little bit overkill. Uh-huh. So that's, but there aren't too many people down there, but um, I saw Paul Giamatti there. I saw Holly from the office there. I saw, uh, what's his name? Michael, Michael Skarsgård, the dude from Garden City uh-huh. to Zach Brass best friend. Like there's, cause there's yeah. a bunch of celebrities in that Do you have good facial recognition skills? Like, yeah. you see, cause I'll see somebody and I'll be like, wow, that looks just like Bruce Willis. And it's it is Bruce, and I just it is. <laughs> I have no Doesn't confidence. It look weird? With 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 mega celebrities like that, sometimes it's weird to see them in person because mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, that <laughs> they look like that, right? And you yeah. see them so many times, but when you see like Holly from The Office, it's like, oh, okay, I can recognize her. But yeah, I think one time I saw Uma Thurman, but it, like you know, they look right. like a funhouse mirror version of themselves, where it's like their bones look different or uh-huh. something. It's, yeah, I don't know if it's like makeup or something or. Or you're just like, nah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that is a, that's a pricey area. So those people probably live. I'm always wondering who can afford to live there. So now it makes sense. People with money. I sure. always, uh, I like taking speech therapy cases in uh, Brooklyn Heights and, and just fantasizing about like one of those houses being mine. Yeah. Yeah, and like when the people come to my front door because they came to visit me in my new house, and yeah. they're like, "Your house is so lovely," and I'm like, "I know, isn't Thank it?" You. Thank you. They're like, you "Wow." Hold out your hand like that too. Yes. I like that. Yes. You know, like look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there are stairs. <laughs> yeah, this is stone. Mm-hmm. Do you want to touch it? <laughs> yeah, that sounds so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are really nice places over there, but um. Yeah, I think I think that's what does it. Also, um, was it Sarah Lawrence? No, St. Francis. Uh, that school is over there, and that's like a pretty serious private school. And so the kids that come out of there sometimes around, like whatever, when they get out afternoon something, those kids yeah. are kind of. And actually, have like one one fan that I've known for like a decade now, and hung out with a few times. I met over there, um, so it's just like a good area. It's 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 nice, and it's unassuming because it, there's not a bunch of people coming through so you wouldn't think that you could make a ton of money but it's like totally an underground it, it's not it's not like a, a huge cash flow but there's the right people there and right. it's quiet so you can make beautiful music and if you're patient you can get the right person to give you a good amount of money or make a great connection do you have one that you'll never go back to again just waste of time bad acoustics or rotten people i don't know mm. i usually never go to Times square Oh really? It's usually always too busy there. Yeah, mm-hmm. which isn't bad. Okay. St- mm-hmm. I still make money, but it's not as much as uh, other other places at other times. Quieter places. Union Square is a bit better because it skews younger. Mm-hmm. Times Square is like middle-aged tourists. 
Yeah, I mean, everyone's got everyone's got something. (laughs) Everyone does have something. I'd like a T-shirt that says that. That's just that everyone can agree with that. Yeah, it's probably why you're such a great musician. Um, Yay! (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, definitely. And I don't feel like um, I feel like I'm around my fair share of talented people. So um, yeah, you know possibly the most talented people in the world i think yeah well that's because you love comedy but yeah i guess so i think it is it is the i i can go on about this all day it is the top art form it is a person with a mic monologuing it is possibly like the original art form one guy in the tribe has something to say and and i feel i feel like uh, because i think about performance all day i think it's so unnatural to stand apart from everyone and talk to them I think it's like against our instincts to do that. And that's why people get stage fright. Because I think uh, you go, uh, um, a lot of, a lot of my theories center around like our brains being prehistoric, but our society being modern. So like in, in our, not prehistoric, yeah, prehistoric basically. So prehistoric humans, like if, if you're standing on a stage area and everyone's standing away from you, we're all about to judge you because we're going to kill you and eat you or cast you out or something like that. So to be able to like, or, or you're the leader of the whole tribe, which, uh, which is why that's such a, I don't know. That's it part is, of the reason why I love the art form so much. So naked. Yeah. And it is like, there is like some sort of leadership level to it where it's like, this is the person that we're all looking to and listening to. Mm-hmm. And they are eliciting an, an involuntary response in us just on their rhetoric their, and like their words. And that's yeah. it. Um, yeah, I love it too, but I, it grew on me. Cause like you said, like when you first, I started working at a comedy club, like I, I didn't, I like Dane Cook. That's all I knew. I was in high school. I just, um, well, he's I the just, best clearly. Right. I mean, and I hate when people say that he is, he's funny and he was, he was Dude, like, I went sh- back and watched Tourgasm. You watched Tourgasm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tourgasm was fucking great. And you don't expect that from a Dane Cook behind the scenes tour shit. Yeah. He's a great writer. I mean, he's goofy, but I think he's, he's, and he's definitely like a little bit sillier, easier comedy, but it's, it's still great writing. I love his callbacks. Everything always comes like full circle with his jokes. Even if it's a long, he'll go a long stretch and then call back an old joke. Um, Mm -hmm. He's fun and he's great to watch, but. um, He's super great. He was my only point of reference when, when I started. And then uh, mm. then my first summer was uh, Chelsea Handler, Tracy Morgan, Louis C.K., mm. uh, Bill Bellamy, um, and just a bunch of a bunch of comedians. And these people are all very funny. So much. And it's just putting such a huge <laughs> smile on my face as you saying those names. And <laughs> it's just like it was it was great. And those people are all extremely talented and they were hot like this was just sold out shows back to back people dying in their seats loving it and uh it they everyone they say the worst things i've heard the everything bad you can say about a white woman there is nothing that you can say (laughs) that would ever shake me like feel free to say those things anytime you want yeah (laughs) they're always fun to hear that's right and yeah so And I, I feel like it definitely made me have a better sense of humor. And I just, 
I get a little cranky over sensitivity now because mm-hmm. I love comedy so much. Like, I just can't stand when people, <clears throat> like, they're like, you can't joke about suicide. Like, so too. Oh, people don't know what to do anymore with censorship. I think yeah. some of the confusing, th- I know you're in comedy, so I don't want to, like, mention anyone that you know or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I will. I think I, I know who you know. But, like, um, so, so obviously with, like, Black Lives Matter and everything that's happening, people are getting way more racially sensitive, which is good and bad because, like, people are just people shouldn't leave racial jokes completely alone. Like you have to joke about everything mm-hmm. you, and you, and you have to do the jokes that are most defensive and funny because those right. are going to be the funniest. As long as they're not hateful or advocating violence against anybody, like a, a la the, the Kevin Hart tweet. Um, right. Those are the, those are the funniest jokes. Um, yeah. And now it's like, uh, uh, I, I was watching a segment where uh, Andrew Santino was like, uh, what do you call it chiding someone for for doing like an asian accent and, mm-hmm. and like telling them they were wrong and that's like all he does you know what i mean so it's like people people don't know what to do yeah anymore with censorship because i don't know it's eating itself yeah that's why it's best that's why i like similar to busking i like the new york shows like the the shows put on by comics or like comedy comedy adjacent people better than the club shows mm-hmm. because when you go to those shows or if you're on those new york city like the brewery shows or any of those these are like uh seasoned comedy audiences so they mm-hmm. can hear a lot and they'll love it yeah and it's not like tourists like people in times square got coaxed in by some dude with a sign that said that dave Chappelle was going to show up right yeah yeah sometimes he does show up he does (laughs) that's what i heard (laughs) he does he does for sure um he doesn't always go on stage though but he does show up a lot (laughs) well i also wanted to ask you let me make sure because i had this whole list and i don't want to oh okay so i listened to your podcast and um your latest episode i loved it um thank you i thought it was funny that that you were cooking dinner and then you were like uh and don't tell me if you don't like eating like don't write me anything like that (laughs) because you were chewing on the microphone like while you were eating and you're like if this bothers you like don't even tell me because i don't care just (laughs) (laughs) don't write to me about that oh that's so rude i like that that. no i i i I, I lol'd i'm glad you lol'd I um but so you said uh you can't have any other thought in your head other than you are undeniably good and you have that or you have nothing you said that on the podcast about bass busking um yeah and i thought that was great advice i feel like uh because i have a speech therapy instagram and then i also like supervise other therapists as they're getting licensed um Mm-hmm. I get so many questions about like, what if, or I can't do this and stuff. And I'm just repeating over and over again. Like you have to have faith in yourself. Otherwise nobody else is going to have faith in you. Right. Um, you know what you have to do and you've been trained and, and you have to, you have to go in there knowing like that you have faith in yourself. I think um, like the word faith can be hard to wrap your head around sometimes, especially if, especially if you just don't have the experience. I think that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Like part of the reason I can know I'm awesome now is like, cause I've done things. It's like, well, I did that. And, right. and so I must be awesome cause I did that. But 
like before you get those experiences you really have to like like fake it till you make it you have to like mm-hmm. do that but I, um which meditation comes in handy for that because i feel like what i do to meditate now is just totally just spend whatever amount of time i have to meditate just gassing myself up so i'm the best i'm gonna do this thing because a lot of why i meditate is anxiety yeah. about something i'm thinking about yeah but um i think it's just like the concept like you have to believe in your capabilities so that you'll have the energy to act on them because if you're just kind of stuck in doubt you'll think about why things go wrong you're not going to focus on your strengths and the things that you can do and, and just kind of waste a lot of time and we've mm-hmm. all been there and done that yeah no that's perfect advice um, another thing that you said that uh, in regarding to busking as well, and you touched about this, touched upon it earlier, is um, it's important to like think about how your appearance, com- what it, it communicates about you. And as a busker, you want to make sure that you distinguish yourself from homeless. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> what, <you laughs> what a great way to, <laughs> yeah. to put that too. That's what you said. I wrote it in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> and I meant it too. <laughs> yeah. But it, it makes sense. Uh and 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 also it's just crazy because like you said earlier, in the United States, everyone's just like, Oh, poor street musician. Right. They're not thinking like this is a great way to get to be heard by many people. It's a great way to get a practice. It's a great way to get your name out there. So, yeah, some people are thinking that, but most people they're just like people's brains aren't on, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in that location, the subway. It's uh, the the idea of a stage and a venue prepares people's minds to be performed for. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that, then you have to use a sign. You have to use the right location. You have to use the way you dress and you have to use your presence to kind of like almost hypnotize people's brains into a state of being like, I'm receiving this as performance. Otherwise, they're going to be in the mode of like, what was I doing? I'm texting my friend. I'm going someplace. I'm hungry. I have to take a shit or whatever. Right. Is. Yeah. 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 So. But I, I but I dress like I, I try to dress casual, um, but definitely back in the day as very much like, you know, nirvana punk rock ripped jeans whatever kind of style and you and i i cleaned it up a little bit more than that just so it doesn't like you don't want any you don't want to get a lot of like food tips this is the, that, oh no that, that's do you re- get food tips by mistake sometimes? occasionally you'll get food <laughs> tips if you don't if if you don't look confident and like you're doing well enough you'll get food tips and they aren't bad but you know it's like like <laughs> hey don't don't give me your sandwich i'm not like hungry <laughs> Oh, people are so funny. So you said, uh, you said Kurt Cobain and Nirvana twice now. So, or, so who else have you been inspired by musically? Bob Dylan and Bob Dylan came out with a new album or new song recently. And it's so funny how, it's so funny how much I love young Bob Dylan and I just have no interest in older Bob Dylan. It's just so funny to me Mm because he just sounds so different and there's there's not the context of like revolutionary so it's just like this old man who's thinking like right, this yeah. like music that's <laughs> it's like not even like catchy it doesn't have the same vibe right um but bob dylan so so yeah the the cultural influence and the fact that he meant so much to the culture and then was like hey fuck you guys are all phonies and fakes and he walked away and he's like this is bullshit i love that I right john lennon you know he's he i mean he was a big fan of bob dylan too i love um bob marley um who else is an influence to me lou reed uh my gosh tons of other people who of course uh jimmy hendrix 
was one of my earliest influences and I really wanted to like be as good as him until I realized how hard that would be. <laughs> and I was like, actually, what I want is to, is for ladies to find me attractive and to like <laughs> be really influential. And that's that's when I got more into like um, Kurt Cobain and and uh-huh. like and and the for, and the front man people because like if you're a front man, you just gotta write, you just gotta have the confidence and sing good. Mm-hmm. If you're Hendri- well, Hendrix was. I mean, Hendrix is like a special case. I didn't. If I put all my energy into becoming that good of a guitarist, you probably wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to talk and have like long hair over right. my eyes. And be like, hey, okay. and play yeah. guitar really good. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what Emo it would take to be game. him. Yeah, just, <laughs> just imagine it. Yeah. It's like, like the relaxed tail like this. Yeah, yeah. I'm picturing it more as like a Simpsons version of it, though. Like right. what it would look like if there was <laughs> like Simpsons. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, well, thanks so much for joining me today. I always ask Thank the you. guest. Oh, sorry. I should pause more. <laughs> No, sorry. No. <laughs> um, I always ask the guests to leave us off with a quote or a mantra, just anything that they have said to get themselves through a day or a time in their life. Do you have anything for us? Um, I guess it's not so much a quote, but just kind of what I was talking about, about uh, <laughs> what I was talking about before with just like, kind of humanity has already been successful and a lot of what we're doing is just playing like someone else's game basically so a lot of times you're going to feel like I'm not doing enough I'm not successful enough I'm not this enough like the fact that like we're way ahead like you're on team human and team human is way ahead and as an individual in order to achieve all you got to do is like really appreciate the fact that you get to be on team human for however long you get to be on team human That's our show, everyone. If you enjoy the show and you want to hear more bonus content, check us out at patreon.com slash SLPs Wine and Cheese. We'll see you next week.